How are y'all doing? Welcome to Drew and Co. Unplugged. My name is Drew Roseberry, and this is my brand new podcast. I am starting this podcast because I feel like um, I just have a lot to say. You know, I've been uh, dealing with a lot of like ambition lately of trying and wanting to do something, whether it's like a business or um, some different aspect, but I just couldn't put my finger on what I wanted to do. Um, not passionate enough about a specific thing to get into a business, um, you know, that requires a lot of time, effort and energy. And the last thing I would want to do is get into something and not be able to give, you know, a thousand percent towards it. Um, you know, e-commerce is super popular these days. Uh, I looked into that and, just the amount of things that you need to go right for you getting into that type of uh, industry, you know, you got to hit specific markets, uh, you know, targeted markets with, you know, who your audience is, who you're trying to reach, the marketing capabilities, analytics, the algorithms that you need to hit, the products, um, just all of that stuff. And, you know, it's super popular nowadays, kind of like podcasting. Um, but it's just one of those things that I felt like I couldn't give my all to. Um, and something like this, you know, I'm not trying to be the next Joe Rogan show. I'm not trying to be some, you know, influencer or crazy content creator, despite, you know, in technical terms, yes, this is creating some form of content. Um, I don't know what my targeted audience really is right now. Um, you know, the things that I want to talk about here on Drew and Co. Unplugged are sports, fitness, politics, religion, um, life things, whether, you know, that's addiction, uh, health, wellness, you know, any spectrum of category whatsoever, I am wide open to talking about. And so that's kind of where I'm at right now with uh, the pod and you know, the direction that I'm going. Um, so I'll start off by telling you a little bit about me, um, my life story and how I got to where I am right now. So I was born in Point Pleasant, West Virginia. I actually never lived in West Virginia. I was just born there. Uh, I grew up in a small farm town in Ohio along the Ohio River. Um, it's down in southeastern Ohio specifically. Meigs County, uh, it is every cliche of a Friday night, Friday night light show or, you know, that kind of thing. Um, it tells you, you know, it has, um, you know, the sports town, everybody goes to the games, you know, a lot of the town shuts down for it. It's got the little clicks, the, you know, everything that you would see in those types of TV shows with Friday Night Lights, you would think to yourself like, oh, this ain't real, you know, uh, but it is, it, it, it's like that there, but it's also awesome. You know, I was fortunate enough to be able to spend, you know, my first 18 years of life growing up in that small town feel, because in reality, I'm not sure I'll ever get that again. Um, at this point in my life, it's just, it's not anywhere in the near future. Um, so I grew up, you know, I played sports, bunch of different sports, all that thing. Uh, and that was fun. Had a lot of fun. 
had a lot of great friends and a lot of great memories that, you know, I think that you can only make in that type of setting. Um, and then after that, I did a little bit of college and in that period, I was just, I don't know if I was just tired or if I needed change or what, but I was just like, man, I just don't want to do this school thing right now. And I didn't really struggle in school or anything like that. So that wasn't like a, you know, oh, I hate school or school's not fun. I'm not good at it. And, you know, F this noise, I'm not doing it. Uh, I just changed my mind, I guess. So I stumbled into a recruiter's office for the Navy, walked in and I was a recruiter's dream because I told him, I do not care what job you have available. I will take it and I will go as soon as I can. Uh, I didn't realize how, you know, convenient that would be for the recruiter until, you know, I joined and learned more about recruiting and what that looks like. I mean, that's like the easiest path for a recruiter to hit some of their numbers. Uh, some of my friends, if they do listen to this and have done recruiting, they know exactly what I'm talking about. So a week and a half later, I'm in the Navy. I'm at Great Lakes. It is absolutely freezing because it's December. Uh, didn't think that through. And so we go through um, basic training for, you know, two and a half months or so. So I'm there all through winter, uh, graduate, and then I head down to Pensacola, Florida for more training, um, which, again, being that recruiter's dream, I actually went in as undesignated, so I didn't even have a job. <laughs> That's the funny part. And um I was fortunate enough to come out to San Diego where I commissioned USS America LHA-6. Um, the memories that I made on that boat, the type of work that I did with aircrafts and directing, and um, it was just, it was a lot of fun. You know, I, I made some great, great friends on there, um, guys that I truly respect and will always have, you know, love for for the rest of my life, whether we talk, whether we don't talk, whether, you know, I just see their post updates every once in a while. It truly, it just makes me happy to see them be successful and continue on their paths and their lives. Um, from that point on, I went to Whidbey Island. Uh, I did a shore tour there. So I got there and uh, it would have been 2017. I was there, did my full uh did like three years and some change because I had to do a small extension. Um, but that's where my life kind of got turned upside down. So going up to Whidbey, I was gung-ho in the Navy. I absolutely loved every single aspect of it. I had so much fun. Um, I was, you know, sounds conceited, but I was great at my job. I was, you know, moving up the ranks really quickly. And it was great. And then I got up to Whidbey and um, I realized how good I had it on the boat. And so that was a that was an interesting experience going from, you know, being the go to to now uh, watching other people be the go to. Uh, it was a strange feeling for me. I'm not used to that. And, you know, I needed that, though. I needed to be humbled in that aspect. And it kind of helped set the course of you know, getting to where I am now. So at that point, 
I was still into fitness, you know, hardcore. So I worked out probably like, I don't know, I think I started in junior high and just kind of stayed consistent, lifting, running, cycling, all that good stuff. And 2018, when I was out there and would be, I started feeling a lot of pain in my shoulder. Um, and it got to a point where I just couldn't work out and it was driving me crazy. So I figured, Hey, you know, let's finally go to medical, get seen for it. And I went through countless hours of physical therapy. I had multiple, uh, steroid injections and it just, nothing worked. So I ended up having to have surgery and come to find out, you know, despite MRIs and all that stuff, I had a torn labrum. I had a torn biceps tendon, uh, long head. So up there connected towards your shoulder. And then I had to have part of my collarbone cut off because the arthritis in my joint was so bad. So I had to be able to, you know, have that nice free ranging movement. That's not super painful and, you know, really restricting, uh, my range of motion. So that happened in, it was either June or July of 2019, um, which that faced its own challenges. Luckily, I did have a friend to help me out for a couple of weeks there being in a big pillow swing for, uh, it was like eight to 12 weeks or so. Um, my wife was deployed at that time. And so it was just me with my was two-year-old son at the time. So, you know changing diapers, trying to do potty training, stuff like that. Cooking, cleaning with one arm is uh, a lot, a lot of fun. And I mean that with every sense of sarcasm possible. Um, so went through that, healed up somewhat nicely. I mean, today I'm, you know, very thankful I got my shoulder done. I feel a thousand times better than what I did at that point. But later in that year, so December, I had to have my first knee surgery, um, which that was probably, arguably probably my biggest mistake that I ever did. I wish I would not have done it. Um, but I was having a lot of, you know, same discomfort, pain uh, with the joint and the movement and surgeon went in there, did his thing. I came back out and I was miserable. It felt a hundred times worse. I didn't heal very well. I was able to get some physical therapy and then coming into coming into COVID was happening at that time frame, right? Cause I had a little bit of physical therapy. They started canceling basketball games. Uh, I want to say February, maybe even January. Obviously, unfortunately, that tragic news of Kobe Bryant passing away happened in um, early 2020. That was uh, just set the tone for what was going to be a crap year for virtually everyone. Um, so still having those issues. And then by, I want to say, end of February, uh, I get referred out of uh, military care to private civ uh, civilian care and the doctor that I had was actually used to be the surgeon for the Golden State Warriors for quite some time um, so obviously I had a very competent doctor I don't even know how that worked out but it did and it turns out that I had basically no cartilage left in my knee so I was scheduled to have surgery at the end of March that got canceled. Um, so I just had to walk around on my 
bum knee for months and months. And then finally, um, come August, I was able to have that surgery and it was intense. It took a long time. Um, I got cadaver cartilage for my, you know, my entire knee and it has 80, 20 success rate. Unfortunately did not take, um, but after that surgery, it was still, you know, the height of COVID. So I got no physical therapy. I had to do it all on my own. I was in a straight leg brace for 14 weeks, I believe. Uh, so I couldn't bend it whatsoever. Um, initially, you know, I needed help with the most basic tasks in the world. I'd say the only thing that came out of that is that I became super flexible because, you know, I had to bend down, put my shoes on, but my leg had to be straight. And, um, typically I'm not a flexible person. So forced me to stretch when I never have liked stretching before, but anyway, so I would do that. Um, so I went on from there and I separated from the Navy in November. Um, rewinding back a couple of years, I was always in school, um, taking classes here and there. Um, I knew I was going to get out of the Navy probably close to the beginning of 2019. So then I really hit the classes insane rate that I was able to work out with my school, um, where they essentially were letting me do entire courses and, um, like a couple of weeks. So it was basically, you know, at my pace and I had to maintain a certain GPA to be able to do it. Um, so got my undergrad completed, uh, my, uh, bachelor's healthcare management in October of 2019, got accepted into their master's program, got my MBA with a focus of healthcare management by November of 2020, like right before I got out. So I'm getting out of the military. Um, and at that time, my wife did not have orders yet. So we didn't know if we were staying in Washington or what we were doing. Um, we assumed that we would leave. Um, just given anybody that knows anything about, you know, the Navy and that kind of thing, you know, the main areas you're going are Japan, Virginia, uh, California. Um, so that's kind of what that looked like. So I didn't get a job. I didn't do anything. I was like, Hey, you know, I'll use my GI bill and, um, uh, maybe I'll give this nursing thing a go. I've always thought nursing would be a lot of fun. I thought I'd be good at it. Um, so I'm doing these prereqs for nursing. Uh, enrolled in a school in San Diego. Luckily, it was still COVID, so I was um, remote or online, however you want to call it. Uh, did that, and we ended up moving down to San Diego in early 2021, and we bought a home in mid-2021, which we feel very fortunate um, with that. But what I noticed is you know, everybody says, you know, I'm going to get out of the military. I'm going to make more money and I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. But the sad reality is, is there's nothing that's really preparing you for that. Like you're just kind of winging it, especially whenever I separated, um, all of the required separating classes and stuff like that were pretty much canceled or there were like a, a zoom call. Um, so I didn't get any of that stuff. It was literally, I just got some paperwork, I signed it and that was it. I was done and that was it. Um, as crazy as that sounded. Um, 
so yeah, I had to figure out all the benefits thing on my own. I had to figure out, you know, um, anything that had to do with the VA, whether it's, you know, disability, education, all that stuff. Uh, but when it comes to education specifically, I didn't realize how difficult schools make it in general and how difficult the VA makes it. You know, I thought, hey, I spent the last eight years, quote unquote, earning this, you know, GI Bill, giving my time, even though, the, you know, the required time frame for it's 36 months of active duty. And, you know, here I am, I've done eight years and um, I'm thinking, you know, this will give me a little bit of buffer to get my stuff together, so to speak. And every step of the way, it was problem after problem after problem. Um, the school never wanted to help with the benefits and making sure that, you know, everything was correct and on time. The VA wouldn't budge because the school wouldn't do anything. Um, so a lot of times I was left out on an island trying to figure things out, you know, and anybody that's been through this process knows that when it comes to your GI Bill, as crazy as it is, you get funded down to the days. So if you're in school for 17 days that month or 27 days that month, they will deduct your pay that you're supposed to get, right, from based off the 30-day scale. So, you know, you do 17 days, well, guess what? Half that month's pay is pretty much gone. And I didn't know this. You know, it's not something that's publicized or anything like that. Um, so that was always uh, fun to find out. And it seemed like every step I took, there was like two steps pushing me back and trying to keep me, um, you know, out of it. And, you know, I hit a point where I was just like, man, what am I doing this for? You know, despite going through maintaining a great GPA, I did all the prerequisites for nursing. I took the ATI exam, which is required here. Um, I think in the West Coast period, I know it's required in California. I think it might be the entire West Coast, to be honest. Um, scored really, really well on that. Um, and, you know, I had a lot of opportunities to go to different colleges for nursing. And I just kept thinking about how miserable my process was. And I thought, man, do I want to do this for the next two, maybe three years, depending on, you know, whatever program I elect to go to. And I decided I'm not doing it. I already got a master's degree. You know, I've got experience, all that good stuff. I'm just going to go land a job. Well, another thing they don't tell you when you're getting out is a lot of these companies, they have absolutely no idea what anybody does in the military. Um, so the value of your experience isn't great despite whatever you do while you're in um and then on top of that or the other option i guess you would say is they don't care because they see it as just this rugged industry of you know i hate to say it but like crayon eaters or whatever you want to call it um as if you know we're just a bunch of dumb people that are willing to sign our lives away and go do this that and the third uh, but then when it comes time to, you know, evaluate that experience, a lot of times it's not taken into consideration. So here I was in the job hunt. I mean, I felt like I had a pretty good resume. Um, great education experience. I've got good, you know, managerial experience, so to speak, leadership qualities, you know, display, you know, 
all the good stuff. If you've ever been on LinkedIn and you read how, you know, people's things read and stuff like that, everything read really well. Um, so I felt like I was hitting all the wickets, but you know, I'm not getting calls back. I'm not getting, you know, emails back. I'm not getting any correspondence whatsoever. Um, it turned out that, you know, that time frame in 2022, when I was looking for a job, that the job market out here in Southern California was the hottest it's ever been. And so it was crazy. I didn't realize that hundreds of applications were going to all these different jobs. Um, you know, people were starting to go back to work after COVID and all that stuff was changing. And I did fortunately, you know, after four months, um, I did land with my current company and I do have a, you know, a great job there, a great role, great team that I work with, um, the leadership there, the values, you know, their mission, their vision, it's all fantastic. So I lucked out in the long run and maybe that was by design, you know, maybe I had to go through that struggle of, you know, submitting and anybody that's, you know, truly went on like a deep dive, like job hunt you know, you're checking your email 50 times a day, just refreshing like, oh, maybe maybe that email is going to come through for that next step of the interview process. Or maybe that email saying, hey, we want to, you know, do this, that or the other. I mean, I did countless interviews. I did final interviews. And what's wild is a lot of these companies, even after a final interview, they don't even get back to you. They don't say anything. They don't tell you anything. So it just kind of leaves you in this state of like, well, do I move forward with something else? Do I, you know, hold off? What does that look like? And so it's kind of a, a crazy process. And I didn't, you know, and that's my fault for being naive on my way out the door of the Navy thinking, you know, everything was going to be easy. <laughs> that was uh, definitely not. But so, but this entire time that all this stuff is happening, personally i'm just being lazy you know i i'd work out here and there sometimes i would be consistent sometimes i would not be consistent um but as far as my diet goes i mean i've never been great with diets period um i like to eat as almost everyone would say um but my big thing was is I like to eat stuff that was bad for me. I loved, you know, pop or as they call it out here on the West Coast, soda, um, you know, Dr. Pepper, Coke, Pepsi, uh, vanilla Coke, root beer, all that stuff. You know, I was drinking 10 of these a day or more. So imagine your daily calorie intake, you know, for an average human, which, you know, I'm not the average human size, but whatever, we'll go based off that, you know, 2000 calorie diet, 1500 to, you know, 2000 or more calories was in pop alone for me every day. And I, it, it's crazy to think about now that, you know, I've got this whole different perspective and I think about how much sodium and sugar and just bad carbs and just horrible, you know, amounts of calories. And it's just unfeasible to think about being in that state of mind and just being that way and not caring. I mean, I eat fast food like crazy. At one point I used to, um, cause I would stay up later than everybody, uh, after my wife and son would go to bed and I would go get fast food 
you know, um, I would go get Taco Bell. That was like one of my favorite spots at night to go get food, you know, roll through there, get some quesadillas, chips, cheese, or, you know, some burritos, or I go through McDonald's or Wendy's. And, and I, you know, when I think back, I mean, I would do this four or five times a week, sometimes every day of the week. And it's crazy. I mean, it's absolutely crazy to think that I was in this pit of just eating and not working out what, so, I mean, we literally have a home gym and, you know, I don't need to get in great details of the type of equipment that we have, but I would say it's an above average home gym. You know, you got good commercial equipment in there and it's 30 feet away from my living room. And I would just walk by it every day, not use it. Occasionally I would, occasionally I wouldn't. Um, and it got bad. I mean, I knew when I was looking for a job, I, wanted to shed some weight down. So let's say the healthiest version of me and peak physical fitness, so to speak, uh, was anywhere from like 215 to like 225 range, uh, give or take. Um, but obviously, you know, that was from a lot of lifting, running, cycling. Uh, obviously, diet didn't, <laughs> had no factor because I ate everything. But so I lost some weight before I got my job in July of last year because, you know, I didn't want to come on board as a slob or anything like that and not well put together. Um, but then I went on board with my job and I didn't realize and, you know, again, my naive kicks in. Um, we had lunches all the time. Not like, oh, hey, let's go grab some lunch. Like, no, like company food would come in. You know, to our corporate office, we, you know, do uh, lunches with new hires or events. And, you know, I was eating a lot and I was still doing some of my fast fooding at night. And, uh, you know, I think in my first couple of months there, I probably put on like 25 pounds. Um, so at this point, it's like October, almost November. I'm sitting 250 plus. And that's never happened to me in my life. Um, come almost the beginning of November at that point, as much as I hate to say it, admit it, whatever, I was weighing, I think, like 260, maybe even more. And it was like pure fat. It wasn't, oh, I got some muscle mass. No, no, I had very little muscle mass because I was, you know, being lazy and not working out. And, you know, thankfully being in the marriage that I'm in, um, you know, as a spouse should, my wife sat me down and held me accountable. And she said, Hey, you know, you're going down a healthy path. You know, it's leading to things that, you know, that you don't want. And, you know, she was nicely telling me like, Hey man, you're, you're sloppy. You need to get your stuff together. And, you know, I was embarrassed. I knew it. I already knew it. You know, I, every time I walk by a mirror, I'd like to tell myself like, uh, you know, it's not that bad. It could be so much worse, but you know, I knew it deep down. I could, I could feel it all the time. Just how unhealthy I was, you know, I, I was breathing heavy all the time and just, just out of shape. You know, it didn't even feel good to sleep in my bed and, but I never did anything about it because I was just, I was too poor me, poor this. Um, you know, I had a lot of, with my knee, I mean, I still have problems to this day, but I, 
I use that thing as the biggest crutch and excuse ever. I mean, I would say, oh, yeah, I'd work out, but, you know, my knee, I can't do anything. I can't do anything. And my wife, she said, hey, you know, if your knee's bothering you on certain things for a workout, let me buy you equipment that's going to be more accommodating for that. And she did. So she's trying to help me. And obviously, I'm not seeing it. I'm just over here like, oh, you know, she probably thinks I'm just getting big and, you know, I'm sloppy and yada, yada, yada. But in reality, she's just concerned for my health, my overall well-being. And for me, I've never really been one to struggle with mental health. Um, at least I don't think. <laughs> at least unknowingly. Um, I'm always relatively positive. I, you know, even when bad things happen in my life, I really... I don't want to say I don't care, but I'm so good at just moving forward with it and being like, you know, it is what it is. I can only control what I can control and move forward. So here I am still making excuses and, and maybe it was a, a mental health thing. I'm not sure to be honest. And, you know, maybe we can diagnose that in another episode at a later date. Uh, maybe even have a guest that, you know, is more educated in this, realm to you know maybe talk about it and you know maybe i'd open up a little bit more about what those struggles and everything looks like but overall the reality is, is i was just being lazy so i get my butt in gear and i'm like man I, I have to make this change so i go on this hard hard you call it a crash diet if you want it wasn't keto even though i tried keto not sustainable long term. None of those fad diets are. Um, so I went into this huge calorie deficit, and from the beginning of November to mid December, I probably dropped I don't know anywhere from 22 to 25 pounds. And you know now I'm down at like in the mid to upper 230s, and I'm feeling great. You know I'm finally starting to get a little bit of shape back. Um, and then I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna start. I need to work out. So I worked out for 45 days straight, no days off, stayed disciplined. Um, and I wouldn't allow myself a day off. I wouldn't allow myself a break. I would always go and work out. And it was great. I was getting healthier. I was getting, you know, leaner and better shape. I think I got all the way down to like 227, maybe even 226. And I felt like I deserved a reward, right? Because I cut out my pop and all that stuff drank diet pop instead. Not that it's, you know, insanely healthy, but in terms of the amount of calories you're consuming, it's better. So I'm like, you know, I, I deserve a reward. So I went to my go-to snack that I used to get, which would be, you know, those jarred Tostitos, uh, the yellow queso and the salsa. And then I would get Tapatio Doritos and I would eat literally as gross and sloppy as it sounds i would eat the whole bag of chips i would eat the whole jar of cheese and the whole jar of salsa i'd probably drink like three or four pops along the way and so i did that and that just like opened pandora's box and i'm right back into snacking not so much as the fast food but still you know eating three meals a day and snacking you know at night sometimes throughout the day it just kind of depends and i put that weight right back on get all the way back up to you know 240, 250, maybe even 255 at one point. And then we were going on vacation earlier this year. I knew it was coming up in June. And 
you know, I'm wearing shirts around the house and I'm not the type that does that. But because I'm embarrassed of the way I looked, rather than doing something about it, I just put a shirt on. And so I'm walking around the house with a shirt on, um, you know, self-pity again, you know, oh, I can't do this, I can't do that. And I'd start working out here and there again. But, you know, I would catch myself taking long breaks in between my workouts and my sets and stuff like that. I would catch myself... um, watching tv because we have a tv in our weight room you know it's great to have you can play you know youtube workouts that kind of stuff and you know i'm over here watching netflix and i might do a set you know of like bench press and then i'll sit up and watch half an episode of like cobra kai when it was coming out or you know some other show and i would catch myself doing that more and more often and i still like you know just couldn't seem to shake whatever is holding me back or what, whatever it was, you know, that was, you know, the true, like, I mean, I'm holding myself back for, you know, this reason and this reason alone. So I knew that vacation was coming up and we were going down to Mexico and I knew one, it's going to be hot. Um, so, and I think at this point it's like June 1st, maybe even a little later than that. And we're going like the third week or so. And I'm sitting probably at like 255 again at this point, super sloppy. It's not the heaviest I've ever been, but still I'm not, you know, I'm not happy with myself and my appearance. And, you know, if I'm not happy with it, how could I expect, you know, my spouse to be happy with it or my kid? Not that my kid would really care because, you know, he's six, but still in my mind, I was embarrassed. I was embarrassed to want to be not associated with my family, but like I am that male figurehead, AKA leader, if you want to say representing the family. And this is what I am. Um, so I go on a hard diet again, hard working out. Um, I am able to cut weight down to like 238. go on vacation. I eat anything and everything, drink everything as usual, uh, because it's a vacation, but I don't, I don't gain weight. I, uh, actually lost like a pound or two. And I was like, man, how is this possible? And I knew, you know, part of it's because it was insanely hot, insanely humid. We're doing a lot of walking around, burning a lot of calories that way. But it all really came down to the food difference. So up here in the States, everything's heavily saturated with these bad fats, these bad carbs, you know, the oils, um, just it's not good whole food. And I noticed that was, you know, down in Mexico, everywhere we ate was just good whole food. I mean, I would eat a whole meal and I'd be full, but I didn't feel that like heavy feeling, you know, that you get after, you know, you eat like a pasta meal or something or takeout up here that you get that heavy, just sluggish feeling up here. And I'm like, man, maybe this is it. Maybe it's the food that I'm eating. It's not how much I'm eating. It's the type of food. And at the time, you know, I wasn't only eating chips and stuff like that. I was cooking good meals, but there was still a lot of, you know, packaged things that came in said meals. Um, So when we came back, I just really, I don't know what clicked. I don't know if that was like the turning point for me, but I, I realized like, hey, this is where I'm making my change right here. And so from that point, so we got back like right at the end of June, beginning of July, I hardcore, like 
cut my calories down. I'm watching what I eat. I'm eating whole foods. Um, and then my workout discipline just went through the roof. Um, and then, you know, at this point, I think I get down to, you know, uh, I'd say by the beginning of August, I was sitting at 225. And so, I went from 240 to 225, so to speak, from July 1st to July 31st. And then I joined a commercial gym just to, you know, give myself a little more motivation. And then I decided, you know, I'm going to start reading again. So I started putting my phone down at night and I started reading. Um, I started sleeping better. I felt like the sleep I got, regardless if it was less hours or the same amount of hours, but the quality went way, way higher. And then because I'm in this commercial gym that's 24-7, I get up, you know, somewhere between 3 and 3.45 every single morning, Monday through Friday. And then I let myself, uh, quote unquote, sleep in on Saturday and Sunday. And I get up at 5 and go to the gym. And I have done this every single day since. And it's a, it's a habit. It's like... Anyone that's been in the gym consistently and has, I don't want to call it motivation because for me, it's not motivation. It's discipline. I don't want to be there every single day, but I just do it. You know what I mean? That's, that's the way I'm wired now. Um, so, and anyone that's been in that, they know how it is. It is so hard to miss a day or a workout when you're so consistent and you're so dedicated. And I think that's how like with work with a lot of people, a lot of people get, you know, become workaholics, so to speak. But it's because they're so dedicated to their craft that it's almost impossible to take a day off. And then, you know, in my past, when I would take that one day off, it was so easy to take more days off. Now, I mean, I still haven't taken a day off um, realistically since probably mid-July. Um, and I'm hitting it, you know, twice a day and stuff like that. And I'm almost in the best shape of my life again uh, you know, I'm currently sitting at like 222, 223. It kind of fluctuates a little bit, but I'm not hardcore watching what I'm eating. I'm eating whole foods. I'm not eating all these fast foods though. I'm not eating chips. Um, I did just have some delicious Buffalo chicken fries the other day, um, which were not healthy, but because I knew I was going to get that, that was the only thing I ordered at that restaurant. I didn't order an appetizer. I didn't order anything else. I just ate that one plate of food and that was it to kind of help, you know, balance that out. And then I put in a longer workout that later that evening. And that's kind of the key, honestly, I think with a lot of people. And for me is, you know, I talked about this the other day in a different format. When you show up to the gym, showing up is not half the battle. It's, you know, 10%, maybe less, it is the most important percentage or fraction of that hundred percent. But if you're showing up and you know, you're moseying through your workouts, you're not doing, you know, a hardcore, you know, getting after it. Um, you're wasting your time. You know, you're going in, you'll see results. I've seen it in the past where, you know, I'm, uh, what would you say? I'm giving half hearted effort towards my workouts and that kind of thing. And I'll see results because I'm actually doing something, but then you hit a certain point where you plateau and then you hit that plateau and you, you face two options. You either shape up, make the changes and adapt, or you go back to the excuse train and you say, Oh, well, 
God didn't want me to, you know, be able to be fit or society, you know, decided for me that I'm not able to do this. Um, and even like, I used to be one of those haters whenever people would say, oh, well, you can't say you don't have time because there's 24 hours in the day. And I'm like, well, you know, what's their life situation? Maybe it's not the same as mine. And it's actually true, though. As crazy as it is, you know, I'm getting up early. I don't have to get up early. I go to the gym later in the day if I wanted to. But for me and my home life and, you know, how our lives operate, it makes the most sense. And that's why I have that discipline. But, I mean, realistically, you can look up workouts on your phone that you can do right there in your house, in your living room. And so there's really no excuse. Yeah, you're tired. So am I. So are other people. Yeah, you're worn out. You know, you can be sore. You can be unmotivated. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of videos talking about motivation. And I agree with the majority and say that motivation is not going to get you there. It might get you started, but discipline's what's going to take you the long haul. Um so that's kind of just a little bit of my backstory, where I started, where I'm at. You know, I'm not saying I am a fitness model by any means. I'm not. I'm not, you know, some hardcore influencer. Um, I'm a brand new content creator, which is so weird to say. Um, and one of the things that when it came to starting this podcast, I've thought about it for weeks. I feel like I have a lot of things that I can talk about. Um, fortunately, I have a really, really good friend that I talk, you know, any and all categories of life and things about. And I talked to him about this several times. And, you know, he's the type of friend that if I need somebody to get me, you know, kick my butt into gear, he's going to do it. And if I need somebody to build me up, he's going to do it. And that's what it was. I needed that little extra boost to, you know, get that confidence to just go for it. You know, if I get five listeners or I get 500 listeners, I mean, in reality, the accomplishment is the process of doing it and taking on this new challenge. Um, I knew initially when I was starting to talk, I was looking down at my time counter and I'm like, oh man, how am I going to talk for this long or that long? Or, you know, am I going to sound bad or all those negative things, you know, running through my mind. And I know I have a lot of things I can say and a lot of things to talk about, but it's when you hit that record button, everything changes. That's when it's, it's, you know, put up or shut up, I guess. And fortunately I didn't shut up. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's kind of what led me here. Um, my goal with Drew and Co unplugged is to just have rugged, raw conversations. I really don't plan on doing any editing to this uh, first recording or many recordings to begin with. My editing skills really aren't good if they even exist at all. And I want people to hear the mistakes. You know, I know throughout this video I've stuttered here and there or, you know, misspoke a word or, you know, I say, uh, or, you know, it's not going to be this professional fine-tuned product um and i think that's a part of just being you know basic and raw and genuine and just letting people you know see this side so for me you know this kind of wraps up this first episode i really appreciate you coming out and listening whether it's you know a couple of minutes of course if you made it to this point you've either skipped to the end or you've listened the whole time i am truly grateful 
um, with the upcoming episodes in the coming weeks. I plan to do them weekly. I do plan on talking about um, some of the heavier things like addiction, uh, sports, which isn't that heavy, but it can get heated and intense depending if you have a guest or not or what you're talking about. Um, I don't mind talking about politics, religion, uh, any of that stuff. Honestly, I'm not afraid to have those conversations and bring those topics to light and give you how I see things and what it looks like for me. So that's kind of where I'm at with that. But again, I really appreciate anyone that takes the time out to give me some of their time because I know that is the most precious thing that you can give anyone on this planet. So with that being said, that brings this pilot episode to an end. I hope you all stay blessed, stay safe, and have a great day.